Hello and welcome to an episode of Beyond Friends, a podcast through her eyes. We're your hosts, Mind T, Peng, Sunny, and Yayua. We are delighted to have you join us today. If it's your first time listening to us, we're happy to have you here. And if you've listened to us before, welcome back. Friends, did y'all notice in our intro, we had one, a plus one with us here today. It's our special guest, Yayo Yang. Yayo, we're so lucky to have you here and have you join us in our episode. We're extremely excited to talk to you and talk to you about like some cool projects that you're working on and get to know you. But let's talk a little bit about how we're connected with Yayo first. Ping, did you want to share a little bit about like how you and Yayo are connected and how Beyond Friends is connected with Yayoa? Yeah, absolutely. Can I just say, I feel like it just, it was all meant to be. Like it was written in the stars that Yayoa and I were connected because it just happened so, so organically, so mysteriously, and it just worked out. So actually how I got connected, it was actually through Yochia, uh, which is one of Yayo's projects. I saw it on social media, on my Facebook, one of my friends shared it, that uh, Yayo and her team was looking for girls to be a part of this project and uh, who can sing, dance, and also a lot of other really talented and so I was like, you know, why not? Well, I'll just audition. I am not a dancer. Okay, let me rephrase that. I am not a K-pop dancer or a hip-hop dancer, or nor do I groove, but uh, I, I moan dance. And so I actually just auditioned uh, uh, to Yochia with my moan dance. And so that's actually how I got connected. And it just kind of sparked from there. And Yochia, um, sorry, yeah, you actually reached out to be on Friends at, um, one time to be a part of one of her project I think it was a thesis for your senior year um, in college and so that's also how Beyond Friends got connected to Yayua too. Yeah I love this like full circle moment when um, like us connecting with Yayua because when Yayua had connected with us we were just starting out I think we had like two or three episodes and we're like just gonna interview us but we only have like an episode talking right? about trauma <laughs> like we don't have anything <laughs> exactly. else. Exactly <laughs> and so, our friendship. Yeah, so uh, we're so excited to have you here with us, Yayua. Um, If you're willing, do you want to introduce yourself to our listeners? Kind of give us a brief background and bio about you. Hi, everyone. I'm so excited to be here with Beyond Friends. It really is a full circle moment. Uh, My name is Yayua Yang. I'm a graphic designer and photographer currently based in Brooklyn, New York right now. And yeah, that's it. I feel like my bio has become a lot smaller over the years as I've graduated and stuff. But yeah, I'm just creative here in New York. No, that's okay. That's so cool. Can we hear a little bit more about like even your upbringing where you grew up where you're from and stuff like that like bring it back a little bit um especially because we're beyond friends we like to talk about things like beyond um Mm -hmm. what we do now and so we definitely want to hear a little bit about your upbringing and then after that we can talk about how it has influenced um where you're at today yeah um so I grew up in Minneapolis Minnesota and my family currently lives in Brooklyn Park um I'm the oldest of four (laughs) so I have the younger siblings back at home and um I actually grew up really Christian so my family is Christian got it from my grandma and then my mom's side is shaman so I've had a little mix of both but my immediate family is Christian and yeah just 
grew up in a very diverse neighborhood, diverse upbringing from elementary school to um, high school. And yeah, and then it's led me to college. And that's where all these amazing things came up as a creative. So um, I would say my upbringing is pretty standard to most like Hmong kids in Minnesota. But um, yeah. Can I ask uh, what sparked your creative self, especially um, being a Hmong woman? Uh, did, mm-hmm. something, did you watch something that just really sparked your interest or did anything um, like theater or plays that you saw? What really sparked that creative side of you? Yeah, I would say, oh my gosh, thank you for asking that question because I feel like I think about it a lot and like wonder where it stems from. And I definitely do say think it's from my dad's side. Of the family. So um, when my dad came uh, or when he was going into college, he actually majored in animation for two oh, years, cool. uh, which is really fun. So I think growing up, I got to see him like sketch and work on videos. And like he always showed me like little animations that he would make. Um, and then my my dad's sisters and her husband, they make Thai films. Um, so my dad would help a lot with like CGI and like all that stuff. Um, I always grew up around computers and always seeing him do that kind of work. And then my cousin's actually like David Yang, um, <laughs> Yang. So my that side of the family is like very musically talented um, in the sense that they love to play music. I grew up with just a lot of music, a lot of like my dad playing guitar. Um, I think in every aspect of my family, on my dad's side specifically, there was a lot of artistic influence in that way. And then also... I would say music. So my cousins and I, we would make like music videos on our little iPhones. <laughs> so like, mm-hmm. like concept, like what we would want to do or like take photos. And yeah, I think just in every aspect or every year of my life, I've always wanted to do things creatively. If I wanted, always wanted to be an artist of some sort. Uh, I think that play, um, really plays back to how what what I saw growing up and what my dad was able to teach me. Mm-hmm. That's so awesome. And it kind of goes back to family is really the center of, you know, mm-hmm. who you are and goes back to really, it's a big part of who you are, um, who, who you are and your upbringing when that really showcased. Yeah. I think that's like really cool um, that you have brought up that like you grew up being surrounded by like arts and everything. Cause I feel mm-hmm. like that's something, I mean, I, I feel like we're going to ask you this later on too, but it's still something that is emerging a lot with like within our generation, but it's, mm-hmm. there's still that like internal struggle of like, oh, so you still pursue art when your parents want you to pursue like a STEM major or something like that. So mm-hmm. props to your dad. That's really yeah. cool. <laughs> I definitely agree. I think like, especially in Asian households and like in with like a Hmong background, you know, a lot of families they're rooted or like they're driven by, a a survival mode and so it's rare to see people being able to embrace the arts especially as a form of um or as a vehicle for a career and a means for income and stuff so I think it's cool I I mean I don't know if like y'all seen but recently there was like even this I think she's a Vietnamese student um she went viral on TikTok and her parents were like she's an art major and her parents were just kind of like telling her to like wake up from her dream because it's not realistic and stuff like that so I think that's so cool that you were able to pursue arts did you ever feel like you had any resistance from your family or like from your parents of maybe this isn't like the right track you should go into and especially as the oldest daughter like 
even now that you moved away from home and stuff like that, how was that experience like for you? Yeah, uh, definitely lots of resistance growing up. I think even though I was surrounded by a lot of that, obviously financial stability comes first, um, especially coming from immigrant parents. And so growing up, I never even thought about pursuing it. Or if I did think about it, I was kind of like a no-brainer of like, how are you even going to make money? Um, what's like the actual tangible goal in pursuing something creative? And yeah, up until the end of high school, I was really, I was really struggling with wanting to be a creative. And I think it impacted me a lot. And I think that's why the decision to become one going into college was so big for me and why I continued to just like push so hard to pursue it. Just not only in the sense that like I want to prove myself, I think I'm past that now, but more in the sense that like just to be able to show others that it is possible. I still get so many comments from like my uncles or family members that like, oh, like, are you even making money? Like, what are you doing? I think that will always be part of the culture and also just part of what I hear. But I think I've gotten a lot better at being able to navigate those conversations and also knowing my own worth and understanding um, that I worked really hard to get to where I am. It's definitely not, I would say to people who do want to be creatives, like it's definitely not easy. Obviously there's still a lot of struggles and you don't get paid a lot, but I think that like I, because I wanted it so much, I did so much research and really looked, seeked out for opportunities that would help me get to where I am today. So I'm really thankful for that. And just, um, I think through that hard work, I'm also really lucky to have parents who support me now. Um, even though they make those comments, it's more of just out of like love and I've come to understand that. And then, yeah, I think even moving to New York, like it was really hard for my parents as the oldest daughter, especially doing a creative career. But I think I'm really lucky to have parents that support me and that want me to succeed in that because they know how hard I've worked to get here. So. And I can, I would like to say too, it really shows. And because as I also follow like your Chia on social media, um, both Facebook and Instagram, and it just really showed how much work and how much, how much passion you put into those projects. And I, I do a little bit of video for my own um professional work it takes so much work so much time just to put like a one minute video together and like I'm just like wow this I guess okay I'm giving videographers a lot of props because there comes there there's a lot of technical aspect that goes into those one minute 30 second videos and I just want to say it really does show in Gochia and all the publicity and all the uh, promotion that you and your team worked really hard on putting it together yeah I just I feel like we're just giving you props this like this this episode is crazy <laughs> yeah you are and which is which makes sense but definitely relate to your like your parents or like your relatives asking about money and like how does that work because last week I went home my mom was like like do you get money from it <laughs> so Satong Jo is like radio right and that's for so like the non-monk speakers and I was like yeah mom we made $13 and that's on sponsorship right on <laughs> but, anchor <laughs> yeah. but moving uh let's just move a little forward so I feel like we've been talking about Jochia a lot but for some viewers who don't know what Jochia is um do you want to explain that to us um uh, or just yeah kind of give us a general overview of it um, so for my, so I majored in graphic design um, and advertising in college. And so for my final graphic design um, thesis and exhibition, I wanted to do a project that kind of encapsulated everything that I'm interested in. 
Um, and as a result, I created Yuchia, which means fresh air in Hmong. Um, it's a Hmong American girl group made up of five Hmong American women. And they currently have a song out and music video called What You Wishing For. And my team and I have been working on it for the past two years. And we just um, finished it. It was a very short-term project, but really proud of what came out of it. That's so cool. I think writing back onto what like Ping was saying about seeing Jochia in social media and stuff like that, like your production was so like, it just seems so professional, so well thought out, so thorough and everything. So can you talk through a little bit about like what your inspiration and what your vision was for Jochia and talk through us with like your project and what you hoped to aim? Mm-hmm. So yeah, so going back to like what I was really interested in, I really like K-pop. Um, I've always grown up like analyzing entertainment, pop culture, and I wanted something that would empower young Hmong American women. I think that's something that I wanted to put a lot into my work my senior year. And not only that, but be able to build a team of creatives and uplift them, uplift them because as much as I wanted to showcase like Gyochia as a girl group. I also wanted to make sure that the team that was working on it was being able to gain a lot of amazing skills and also um, community members that would help them in their creative career just as I did. And so I would say, sorry, <laughs> but I would say it's a mix of um, Hmong women empowerment, learning the Hmong language and being able to bring something new into the Hmong American music community. And within a lot of my research, I found that like there's a lot of Hmong men in the industry. There's a lot of, um, there are a lot of Hmong women artists that are emerging as well. But specifically, there hasn't really been like a Hmong American girl group in and of itself. Um, that was something that was more in the 90s, I would say. And as a huge fan of K-pop, I've always just been really fascinated by their ability to spread their culture through their music. So growing up, like I wanted to go to Korea and I wanted to learn I learned Korean and um, I learned Korean through singing Korean songs and I wanted to kind of encapsulate that kind of idea and translate that into Gyochia. Like what if Hmong American girls could listen to the song and finally learn some Hmong words whenever like they already feel so lost in their culture as Hmong Americans are already losing that language. But if they're able to see something that is a lot more modern that can relate to their generation. Um, that they would be able to feel empowered and being Hmong, regardless of not knowing the language or being out, out of touch with their culture. I can totally relate to that, too, because I feel like especially going into higher education and mm-hmm. it's so Western and um, being a first generation student and um, your parents not having that experience of college life before, it's really a new realm to explore. And so I felt like I really lost myself too. And I felt like I didn't have a foot in the culture anymore, And which is also why um, I really love Hmong dancing. And I really enjoy <laughs> uh, the Hmong clothes. And some people would consider me being a Hmong clothes addict um, because I love the beauty and I have so much Hmong clothes. But Mon dancing and uh, mon clothes is a way for me to be able to still have a foot in my culture and still be able to know and understand the mon language and some mon words, some mon terms that we don't use every day. I, I think. 
think what you have highlighted was so important, right? Was that Hmong singer, like Hmong female singers, are mostly just solo artists. So I was really surprised that Doche was a girl group because growing up too, now that I think about it, I've only seen like girl groups, like a girl duo, right? So like only like two sisters or two cousins who would sing together. So seeing that there was like this big girl group, I I one of the question I had was like, how did you cultivate such a space where well maybe there was, but you don't have to spill the tea. But like where there was like little to no drama. Yeah, like when I was like when I was younger, I was I used to do like more dancing and stuff with a bigger group, and I, I was like there was always like um, conflicts here and there, right? But then for yours, like you, it seemed like Jochia um, had a really good flow with it, just from like how everything looked like um, through the media and everything too. So, how are you as like the creative director um, able to cultivate that within the like the the team of girls, but also the good team of artists that was working behind the scene? Okay, I'm here to spill the tea. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I think that I just, whenever like I get asked that question, I think I just attribute to being really lucky. Um, I don't know if you've ever been in a group project where like there are people who don't do enough or that have an issue or attitude issues. Um, and I think that was something I was really worried about leading Kyochia as well especially with such a we have I think everyone's a woman except Cha Billy who <laughs> is their vocal coach um, but especially with such a large group of Hmong women uh, and even I've had like a bad rep working with Hmong people on professional projects and so like there's just a lot of things that I was worried about but again I think I was just really lucky and I think that every single I think we were able to make it because we all had that shared vision of wanting to empower Hmong American women. I think without that vision, it would have been really hard. Um, not to say that Yochia ran smoothly. There were so many things that, I wouldn't say there are huge issues, but definitely things that we had to go over a lot. And we had a lot of team meetings and we would always try to work out kinks along the ways, but there was nothing huge that really like broke us because of that vision. And because we knew that at the end of the day, we were here professionally to produce Yochia, make it the best thing that we wanted it to be because it was our creative work. Every creative who like touched Gyochia in a way, I think they took it a little part of Gyochia with them as well. And I think that's what I really wanted with this teamwork is that it's not just my, my project, it's everyone's project and we're all working on it together and Gyochia would not have been possible without everyone's commitment and everyone's willingness to learn along the way. It was all volunteer work. So everyone was able to learn along the way and really just make it their own as well in their specific role. So I think that's why it was able to work well. I was just going to say, and it's more of a comment, but I think that like another, because at least in the Twin Cities home community, I noticed that Gyochia was like, you know, very popular and like, you know, starting to reach a lot of different audiences and get a lot of engagement, which I thought was super cool um, for you to achieve that. And honestly, the scope of the project seems so big. And especially for a school project, it takes a lot of passion for someone to lead it because that's not an easy school project like I could see if I, I was in your role yeah you I feel like I would just do something like very very manageable that I know is like yes it's gonna add to my portfolio to my experiences but something that's also gonna check the box at the end of the day because I don't have time for that so I just want to applaud you on that and and 
talk about like going back to the whole representation piece of it because I know like it's a form you created it as like a form to increase representation and empowerment for Hmong women and I think that's so important because yeah when we look at like mainstream media and when you see Asian people being represented in mainstream uh, western media like you don't really ever see Hmong people there's like really that type of representation and if it is it's like not good representation and stuff like that too and so I think that when you break down representation further and further and and especially thinking about like how people identify differently and stuff like that it's so cool to be able to have a platform like your chair to share the the art forms that like home women can have so yeah I think that's oh Another thing I was going to say was that, like, uh, what did you say Yochia means to you? Or, like, uh, what, yeah, the group name means? Oh, a breath of fresh air. That's what we all yes. kind of did us. A breath of fresh air. That's, I think that's so nice because it's like, yes, it is like a fresh air. It's like something that we, the community need. Um, but when Ping, Sunny, and I, we were meeting, like, last week about this episode, I kind of even, like, interpreted Yochia as a new wave which I think is so interesting because you know how like in Korean like, uh, media culture, there's the, I don't know how to say the word Hallyu, but like the Korean wave of when their media and like K-pop and stuff like that started transitioning over to like the Western world and like started becoming more global and stuff like that. I thought that is like, in a sense, so aspirational, but so empowering and cool to see. So yeah, those are just my comments and thoughts. Yeah, I was gonna, um, I was gonna ask, you about like how did you choose um, the members of Georgia and how did you choose the members of your creative team? I love talking about my team the most. So <laughs> this is fun. Um, well, first of all, I want to say paying your audition was amazing. Like no <laughs> yeah. one else, no, no one else did home dancing and like you had such a positive energy. So I really enjoyed watching your audition. I just want to say that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yes. But yeah, choosing the girls of Yochia, it was such a weird process because like, who am I to judge all these young, talented women? But I think in choosing these women, I think what I looked for um, was not only like your dancing or singing ability, but your, your, your energy, your ability to perform and also your commitment level, because something about this is not, it's not just that like you're the best singer and we chose you. It's like, you're willing to stay on this to your project and you're willing to go through with it. And you're willing to learn along the way, like in things that you're lacking in. And so there are about like 20 girls that auditioned, which is a huge number for us because I didn't even expect many people to audition. And we chose Shannon, Alexis, Pasha, Nube, and Cha based on those qualifications of being able to being able to perform um, and also being able to commit. Yeah, I think it was a hard process, but we narrowed down to those girls um, based on their audition tapes. And then in choosing the team, um, again, I would have to say it's just all luck because <laughs> um, the this, I'll talk with uh, the designers, so the fashion, the fashion designers. Um, Nikita was actually supposed to be like an advisor of some sort or just someone who would help assist or like come in whenever she needed, needed but I, we put her in the fashion department because she's an amazing stylist. Um, and then also my cousin, Mealy, who designed the orange outfits. It's crazy because she didn't even know how to sew 
before Yochia and she created those beautiful sets. Um, so those are the two designers that kind of just were already on the team in a sense. Chad Billy, our vocal coach, also volunteered. Um, we did not have to look for him. He was just really excited about the project, about the girls and about really helping out. Um, Lucy, our videographer who does all of our amazing videos, um, she was already... Uh, her and Nancy, who was the songwriter, were already on the team before we picked the girls. Um, so I was already set on this project to go with them in the sense that like I was growing my skills in creative direction and design. Lucy was growing her skills in videography and Nancy was starting out to songwrite. So it was kind of like we're all going to grow in this together. Pa, our social media person, came in as we were rolling out marketing content through the form. Um, Karen. I think Karen was like the only person who filled out the form, <laughs> but she was, she's our choreographer. Um, and she already knew the girls because the dance community in Minnesota is pretty small. So she was a great choreographer. Oh, I feel like I'm missing someone. Oh, our makeup artist. Oh my gosh. Um, Shangfu is my best friend. So she kind of came in to help. And then Kalina, Nikita's sister, amazing makeup artist, came in to help. And then we had a bunch of, I would quote, say, quote unquote, freelance makeup artists or hairstylists as well who came out to help. And each one of us played like multiple roles. So if someone needed hair, Lucy would help. If someone needed makeup, Nancy would come in. It was all just a team effort. So I would just say I was really lucky. Like, Everyone who came in just really wanted to do it. Um, it wasn't something that I had to like search for. And then going back, my seat to what you said too about like, oh my gosh, like I would just give up if this were a school project. I probably would have too if it weren't for the people that were so dedicated and like believed in my vision. Um, so yeah, yeah. Can you talk a little bit more about that though? Because I'm I'm actually like really interested into the scope of the project and how you were able to like manage everything but also if there was like any I mean this might be going into a little bit of a different topic other than scope but also like did you have any pushback from like say your professors or um even like some friends who would be like yo this is too big of a project like I don't know if it's something that you can handle within this amount of time that you have mm-hmm. <laughs> my personality is either go big or go home so I, so senior year is when you, you have one semester of thesis, which is where I did all my research and then one semester of exhibition. So I actually started planning first semester of my junior year. So I was already planning two years in advance, even before I got to the thesis portion of it. Um, so I already knew what I wanted. I already knew who I wanted to, to do it with. I already knew like what, like I knew that I wanted a music video. I knew that I wanted a song. And so I think it was only the scope was only able to <clears throat> grow to the amount that it was just because I planned it so early on. And like we had all of that time to really bring it to life. Pushback, I would say it's kind of funny because I would go into thesis and exhibition already knowing that Yuchi would be happening. But then I would be presenting like, this is what I want to do for my project. But like in my head, I was like, well, we're filming the music video next week. So mm -hmm. it was just a matter of like working it out with my professors and being like, even if they had feedback, I would try to implement it as much as I could. But at the end of the day, I knew that it was my project and our and my team's project. So mm -hmm. I definitely like just did what I needed to do on the academic front for it to happen.
Hi friends, Peng here. So right now, you might be thinking, wait, is the episode done? And nope, it is not. This is a very special, drumroll please, ad break! Because Beyond Friends got our first sponsor, Ana Luisa. Yes, you heard me correctly, A-N-A-L-U-I-S-A. Ana Luisa. Yes, that popular carbon neutral jewelry brand all over Instagram is known for its high quality products at affordable prices. As you know, Mother's Day is just around the corner, so this is the perfect time to buy her a nice gift from Ana Luisa. Maybe she's more of a ring girl like me. Growing up, my mom always wanted a wedding ring. And my dad just never got her one because money was tight. But now, maybe he can. With Ana Luisa's fair prices, starting from $39, she's able to get a ring that will make her feel confident and empowered, as she should. And she can even snug a necklace or earring to make it a whole set. So, go ahead and jump on the site and start looking for that special piece. It's shop. AnaLuisa.com slash Beyond Friends. Here, let me spell it out for you. It's shop, S H O P, dot AnaLuisa, A N A L U I S A, dot com, C O M, slash Beyond Friends. B E Y O N D F R I E N D S. And hey, if you're not feeling any pieces, come back on Fridays because that's when they drop new jewelry collections. So again, it's shop.analuisa.com slash beyondfriends. And if you're more of a visual person, we'll have this link in our bio. Happy shopping and let's get back to the show. want to like move the conversation a little forward about like technicalities um because uh it seemed like all of the even the Dutchia members like everything was all volunteer which I think is like again you're so lucky to have such a big team is all volunteer and if you don't know Dutchia just go Instagram them like they have a pretty big following for like um a new girl group you know so I think that's really um really cool so I wanted to learn of like how how did you fund these projects and for like folks who are also like oh I've always wanted to do a music video or oh, I've always wanted to do like this big of a project in college too because um, similar to my C like most college students don't think I feel like okay <laughs> I'm not gonna say most college students because I feel like U of M students are like a little different I feel like because <laughs> are you I'm, saying maybe Augsburg students I'm just kidding, <laughs> yeah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but I, I but just like uh, when because we all went to college together like I've seen senior projects but they're like mostly more smaller but I've noticed that like when ever since I saw Georgia come out I also started seeing like other Hmong students doing like Hmong sitcoms and more Hmong documentaries and stuff and I was like this is so interesting I just never as a college student I have never envisioned that I was able to create something like that um, in that phase of my life so can you share a little bit about how the funding came about I Sorry, there's just so many aspects of the technicalities. 
of it. I'm going to start out by just going to the question of like, if we were to do this again, or like, if you want to do your project like this, like what needs to be done? And thank you for asking that question, because I think that at the end of Yuachia, I think all of us on the team just wanted that, like, although this is the end for Yuachia, that we want so many people to be able to take what we did and make it like 10 times bigger. So I would say number one is planning organization. Like we did everything in advance. Like if you saw a video in August, we filmed it in February. Like (laughs) there's like so many um, timelines that we had to really push out. Really just looking at a yearly calendar and being like, what are we focusing on this month? This month we're focusing on the song. This month we're focusing on the dance. Being able to plan out your whole year, even though it doesn't go to plan, then you know what to focus on within those individual areas. And then also just making sure that everyone on the team knows exactly what they're doing and when it needs to be done by. Because again, teamwork makes the dream work. Um, So organize, organize, plan, plan, plan. Always do things in advance. Um, Always be overprepared. Like with every shoot, the stylist always came more with what they were expected to have just because we all knew that like think there would be holes. So just like fill every hole that you can. And also my my second major was in advertising. And so something that besides design that I'm really passionate about is just marketing in general. So how do you create um, an audience? How do you create hype? And again, that goes into a lot of content planning. I'm sure y'all know what that is with your podcast. Um, and with content planning, that meant like figuring out what goes when. Does it make sense to release dance videos first or singing videos? Does it make sense to introduce them at this time? Like we were like, do we introduce the girls once a month? Do we do it? Do we only introduce them when the music video comes out? Just thinking about all these questions and figuring out what will generate the most the most hype, really putting a lot of strategy into what actually is going to be happening. And then in terms of funding, finance is definitely not my thing. And I tried really hard to find a finance director, but we didn't. So (laughs) being on me. Um, So I had to learn a lot of things about budgeting, um, about how much, how many, how much funds we actually need to, to fund this without everything being out of pocket for most of us. And I would say it was just done through like a lot of communication like and filling in holes that I didn't know, like, for example, like how much does it actually cost to produce a song? Like how much do we pay a producer to make this and what is a good wage for them? Or um, so after figuring out what what the estimate was for that, being able to fundraise. And I think a lot of that played hand in hand with the content. So my ideology was that if people see what Kyochia is and they like it that they're willing to open their wallets in the sense that like I'm willing to support you financially like they're willing I, to invest in it yes exactly yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm willing to invest in it and yeah so as a result I think the more content that we made the more money that came in in a sense um, and then also just your usual like fundraisers um, talking to friends and family about it really helped out a lot and also framing it with the purpose like, for example, I really marketed it as a school project, even though it kind of really just school didn't. But because people, it compartmentalizes it for people to be like, okay, yeah, I was doing this for school. And this is also helping, like, going towards the community. So that's what I'm willing to help. So I would just say overall, it's a lot of strategy, 
a lot of planning. Yeah, that's so true. There's so much, um, like there's just so much to learn and so much that you need to do in order to pull off a big project like that. And I think it's very smart that you were able to, you know, like for school, yes, we're learning, but like we really got to take advantage of education as a tool for us to be able to do things that we really want to learn and do for ourselves in order to advance our own knowledge. And so I think it's really cool that you used school as an outlet to do that. I think um, even going back to what like Sunny, you had mentioned and asking your question and now you're um, your response to like my previous question about like how you are kind of a type of person who goes big or goes home and then thinking about how like a lot of people they don't think that they can go that far a lot of people they don't think that their projects can be that big or that they can make a huge impact like that and so can you talk a little bit about how you got that mentality and how how you got that drive what what do people need to do in order to dream big like what's your message for people in dreaming big Wow, what a big question. <laughs> and it's okay like, if you don't have an answer. Yeah, I time. feel like Take your I, time. I feel mm-hmm. like I don't because it's just like how I've always been and even I mean to a fault for sure to like mm-hmm. like biting off more than I can chew, burning out often. Like it's something that yeah. I went through like all of my school is is going big. And I think that's where my drive came from. And as much as like it is glorified in this culture of like hustling and making it big. Like mm-hmm. I struggled a lot, mm-hmm. like, because I had school, I had work, and then I had this like huge project. Um, so I don't really have an answer in the sense of like, why I have so much ambition. I think it's just who I am and like how I've grown up to be. Like, if you don't, my mom has always told me like, if you don't work two times as hard, then nothing comes out of it. And so I've just been really into like that hardworking mentality but for sure it came out of I know this wasn't really your question but like just wanted to let viewers or listeners know too that like yeah working hard is really important and hustling is really important but it's okay to take breaks and Mm -hmm. it's okay to rest and like think yeah that's what I've been I feel like after and have been like meditating on a lot too it's just like Mm -hmm. that there needs to be that break when you're such a go, you know, go, go, go person. No, that's good advice. Cause I think that like, (laughs) yes, we, I think especially for, again, going back to like any type of kid or person who feels like their dreams have ever been like repressed or they haven't been taught to dream big, you know, we don't know how to do that, but as much as you want to get there and like as hard as you work, it's also important to self-sustain. And by doing that, you need to take breaks and do all of the things that you just mentioned too. Yeah. And I think going into it too about like why I don't know why why there was less doubts I feel like I was just on a just do it mentality mm-hmm, like mm-hmm, mm-hmm, if yeah. I don't do it who is going to do it like who is going yeah. to make among American girl group like I don't know like I've always wanted to see it and and it hasn't come up so why not just do it like yeah even if it fails like at least I tried to do it and I did what I could with it so Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and one thing that one of my professors have said before is that even if someone has done it in the past it's okay to put your take into it so yeah I think that's how it is for a lot of creative projects it's like you you don't know what's out there you're never gonna like you know maybe somewhere in this world we don't know there's like another type of girl group like but oh well because this is your take on it and this is like you work so hard for that and like look how far it's gotten you so yeah I feel like you're already kind of living that life, right? Where like you're 
you're living for yourself you're you're not really living as the oldest daughter or um all of these labels that like have been placed upon you and now you've like outgrown um the Zhuqia creator label too right because you're in a new place you're in a new uh new community and everything so I think that's also a skill similar to like in the same vein as like many skill like how do people become like more how do people think big I I wonder for you like how do you um always how do you always evolve and how do you always like continue to grow and accept new roles or like create new roles for yourself when um like you said like they're not created but you're gonna make it for yourself Good question. Um, <laughs> I feel like, well, I feel like there's an an- answer to like the evolving part as well, but there's also an answer to the like, I need to see at the table. Yeah, feel free to break it down however you, um, yeah, break it down. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a really good question because it's something that I'm even asking myself right now, postgrad and like trying to find a new job or just being in a new city. Like I, I feel like I moved here because I don't know what's going on. I don't know what my next, my next chapter is. I don't know what's going to come up. And I think that's why I'm here to search for it. Um, and it'll always be a journey that I will need to search for to like find a purpose, my next purpose, my next big thing, or it doesn't even have to be a big thing. Like what, what will I live out, you know? postgrad. Uh, growing up, I think I was always into self-development. How can I always improve myself? How can I always be a better person, learn different things? And I think that always comes back to me feeling uncomfortable. Like whenever I feel uncomfortable, even though it's a really like frustrating and negative feeling, I really try to take that uncomfortability and shift it into something where I can learn from. So whenever I like feel really uncomfortable something, I'm like, I need to learn more about that so I can feel comfortable doing it. And I think that plays into obviously like making Gyochia. Like there isn't a homegirl group in this industry and I'm really uncomfortable with that. What am I going to do? Or even like moving to New York. Like I've never lived on my own. I've never moved to a new city. Like I want to know how that feels like. But I feel really uncomfortable with that thought, but I'm going to do it. And I think that's how I always look at it. And I always I always uh, think back to therapy as well. I think therapy in different transitions of my life has always helped um, me think about what is going on in my life, what I want to do next, or maybe even thinking like, even if I don't want to do anything, like what does that mean? Or So I think there are a lot of things that play into me evolving and I'm still trying to figure that out. But for sure, I always looked for what I'm uncomfortable with and what my therapist says basically, but, <laughs> or what my friends or I don't know what the world universe is telling me. Honestly though, like therapists, I also have a therapist too. And I'm just like the smallest thing. I'm like, I'm so stressed. How do yeah. I, how do I manage my time? And I have all of these five things I have committed to like, where should I start? I should be like, just do this. I'm like, Oh, okay. That's so easy. I'll do it. I do have a question. My question for you is you talked a lot about how you're such a creative person. And I think you also mentioned that you majored in double majored in advertising too, right? Um, So my question is that creative work is not easy. It is not easy, especially if you also want to make it um, authentic and true to who you are. And it, it doesn't come very easily. So how do you find inspiration? 
think I find inspiration in a lot of things that are happening on in my life, um, whether it's like certain social issues or what I personally am going through or what my friends are going through in terms of like the meaning behind that work. That's where I usually find it in. But if I were to have like, <laughs> I don't like to call it this, but it's like to me, it's kind of like superficial, like a superficial <laughs> answer of where I find my inspiration is definitely K-pop or how can I make money? Not in like the, I, I like, I, I need, I like, I love money. Like it's more of like how, in the because being creative is my career now like how can I best monetize my creativity while also being really proud of it because I think that plays into being a creative as a profession as well and then also analyzing like I said before like different areas that I want to work in so like k-pop for example like I analyzed their digital marketing strategy and I analyzed like their k-pop designs and I analyzed how they ran a girl group and that's how I was able to implement a lot of those structures into Yochia. So there's, again, like what the things that I'm interested in my, and the technicalities of how that is able to come to life. I always try to implement that into whatever I'm creating. Nice. I love that. I also, um, on a, like on a similar boat, like we're talking about inspiration, everything. So I would love to know um, what is your like next project that you're thinking of? And also, this is like part two of that question is like, how, how are you like cultivating community if you're going to do a big project like this again? Right now, I don't have an, the next big project. I think I get to use the word again. Creatives are really lucky to be able to, well, my opinion, I think I was really lucky to have a project like Yochia just because it encapsulated so much of what I loved into one. And I think creatives really get that, get to do that. So as a result, I don't think I have a next project right now. I, and then I'm just like in a transition transition period. So it's not really on my mind to create a big creative project. Yeah, it doesn't have yeah. to be big. It can just be like, oh, okay. Uh. Like, any, anything. <laughs> it could be like an art project or, yeah, or, like, like, or like a skill that you're wanting to learn. Like I want to learn how to like, cook now or take the bus. Or I don't know. Project. You oh, just recently moved too. That's true. Okay. Yes. Projects? So I don't. Yeah, I don't have any like creative projects like design or art because I think, again, I'm more into like finding a job and making that work. But in terms of what I like, what I'm doing these days, I am trying to figure out like what hobbies I like because I think all my hobbies have been creative. Like it's strictly design or strictly photography. And that has like burnt me out in a lot of ways. So I signed up for Pilates class, which is fun. I haven't done it yet. I hope it's not hard. (laughs) Um, And I also signed up for a bouquet making class. So just like little things like that I've been really into. Um, Maybe starting like that though. Like just those small classes Mm -hmm. and those little things that you're interested in. Um, Sorry, um, side story that I could relate is I actually just uh, signed up for, not just, but in 2019, I signed up for kickboxing class and that led me to moan dancing. And so (laughs) it's totally not related, but, but those side things, I totally went through the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to ask one last question, which was um, like, why did you move to New York? Like what? Like, I don't, I mean, I know that like, I feel like so many people are like, oh, I'm going to move to New York, LA. But like, why did you move to New York? And like, what drew you there? And how long do you think you're staying? We always ask my this question. Like, are you coming back? Are you coming back? <laughs> this question's always so annoying. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm always like, mm, I don't know. Give me like, 
I give them a range. I, yeah. I never know a concrete answer. <laughs> She's yeah. never said never though. So yeah. that's given us hope. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Sunny. Oh, actually, I realized I didn't answer your question about community. So I'll like bring that into this. Um, I moved to New York because it just has so many more creative opportunities, specifically in the industries I want to work in. So beauty, uh, fashion, entertainment, there's just so many opportunities here to design and create for those type of brands and companies. Um, So that's one reason why I moved. Another reason is my best friend is here. So I live with him now and like we have a lot of fun together. And I've always just been a city girl. So like, (laughs) <laughs> I feel like New York was a, a natural next step in, in terms of like cities I wanted to move to. I do regret not moving to LA because of the weather, but I think regardless, New York is pretty cool. Um, in terms of building a community, I think that's what I'm still trying to find for sure. Just because in, in Minnesota, there's so many home creatives that I've connected with and like the community is a lot smaller. So it's easier to get creative projects done. So I'm still trying to find that here and I think even talking to like mentors or uh, older Asian women in this kind of industry as well like they are still trying to find community so I know that it's going to be definitely a long process because building relationships takes such a long time so I'm still trying to search for it but I'm really lucky that I have um, my friends and also hopefully building like relationships when I get a job here or even just going on Facebook groups and shooting with random people like I think it's all gonna come naturally hopefully so yeah I'm still going through that right now it's only been three weeks into New York so (laughs) oh my gosh that's so short wow yeah it definitely takes time I've been in Seattle for six ish almost seven months I don't I don't know I I don't yeah I don't remember but it's definitely like a work in progress um and stuff like that so that's so cool that you're able to branch out though. What do you like? Do you like New York so far? What are like some pros and cons? Should we move there? Uh, uh, <laughs> we choose New York over Seattle. Is that what I'm hearing? Like, <laughs> we joke around a lot about like if we should move somewhere together. And yeah, yeah Sunny had, you know, post New York before, especially the theater scenes huge mm-hmm. there and Sunny's a theater creative so yes. yeah give yes. give us the deeds should we move there <laughs> um if you want to walk a lot yes mm-hmm. <laughs> I would say <laughs> um I actually didn't as like natural as it is to me for me to be in a city is really hard for me to adjust the first few days just because it's like so crowded so many people so many different people literally all over apartments are like this together it's like so close and even like taking the subway every day it's like it gets a little stressful but I think it was actually today that I went to Soho and I finally felt like okay I live here now because like it just took me a while to like be okay with the hustle and the bustle and everything but I would say definitely move here if you have a chance to just because there's so like you said the theater scene is big everything creative here is huge and even if someone is like not a huge theater star like not really like like popular like they have so much talent like I think that's why New York is so popular because every single person here regardless of where they're from is like here to 
be ambitious and chase after what they want to do. And I think that's something I really admire about the people people here as well. So yeah. Mm-hmm. I just want to <laughs> say, I, I love what you're saying. And well, I guess this was a question. It was like the culture shock. Did you even have culture shock? But I was like, maybe you don't because you're like, go big or go home. But I feel like Minnesota <laughs> nice people. Like, okay, yeah. I say this because I went to Seattle and I was like, people over here kind of mean, I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know if I can handle it. So. Yeah. <laughs> I think I had a culture, I think I had a culture shock in the sense of like that people, I don't know, care about different things here, like money and status, for example, which I was like, it's, it's, it makes sense because it's such a huge, like successful city in a sense, but definitely different values. But I think overall, I'm like, yeah, everyone's just <laughs> go big, go home, just having fun, living their life. So yeah, but people are kind of mean. I think if you do come from a traditional Minnesota like mentality yeah (laughs) yeah I've heard that I was supposed to go to New York once um when I was working at this college we were gonna do a trip there and like the professor who was leading that trip he was talking about how like you gotta walk on this side of the street if you don't people are gonna be mad at you and stuff like that and it's funny I mean it's like it makes sense because especially because everyone's so hustle like they're hustling and bustling over there so they're like there's a routine and stuff yeah yeah you all we are so happy you're able to join us and like talk to us and give us some insight on your creative process behind your chair I think like obviously with me paying Sunny us being our own creatives in different ways and through this podcast and stuff like that like it's so cool to see another Hmong woman creative doing her thing out here you know paving the path for younger generations and stuff like that. Um, We're obviously only wishing you the best and hoping that New York will start to feel like home to you soon and that you do find that community and stuff like that. But before we close, how can our listeners find you? What are your handles? And um, if they want to check out your work and stuff like that, where should they, what should they search up? Yeah, so you can look at my portfolio at yayua.com, Y-A-Y-O-U-A, or follow me on Instagram at yayuayang. for listening to today's episode if you have any questions or want to tell us your story you can shoot us an email at teambeyondfriends at gmail.com if you like our podcast please share it with your friends and give us a rating and you can also follow us on our instagram and facebook at team beyond friends see you next time friends or i guess uh, talk to you next time yeah